0: Social Conversations. Our guest Neil McConnon is from Hammond Poll Attorneys and he's joining us on the line. Good evening, Neil. Hi,
1: Patricia. If I can just correct you, it's Neil McKinnon.
0: Oh, McKinnon. <laughs> All right. It's an E. Okay. And unfortunately, the spelling I got says McKinnon. Uh, but thank you very much, Neil, for correcting me. How are you doing yes, this evening?
1: Thanks. Very good. Thanks for having me and uh, good evening to your guests.
0: Excellent. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing well. So we're speaking the function of a body corporate, right? But before we go there, let's talk about the sectional titles first, because some people buy properties which are sectional titles instead of um, full title deeds, and they then get, you know, astonished when they cannot do certain things and alterations to their properties. Patricia, just uh, you
1: know, the sectional titles. Um, act uh, governs sectional titles when it comes to property. There is a difference between a sectional title and a full title. Um, Generally, um, when it comes to properties being in an estate or within a complex, they are governed by some kind of um, internal uh, forum or committee, either a homeowners association or a body corporate. A body corporate is synonymous with a sectional title, uh, where one would have a specific section that they own, uh, for instance, an allocated unit within a townhouse complex. Um, and then, of course, uh, there would be a common property that's uh, that's for use for everybody in the complex. So the driveways, the swimming pool, the stairwells, uh, even parking spaces, that type of thing. Uh, intersectional title uh, development or sectional title scheme, um, all the rules dealing with the common property and how owners are to regulate themselves would be dealt with by uh, the Sectional uh, Titles Act. And that's also read with uh, the Sectional Titles Schemes Management Act, which sets out the rules um, and, and how um, body corporate should function.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and now, the, the actual function of a body corporate, I mean, who determines it and how are the people within the body corporate um, elected?
1: So when a, a sectional title is established, uh, a body corporate is formed um, when the first unit or the first section has been transferred from the developer to a potential owner. Um, when that happens, that's when the body corporate is formed. Now everybody that buys um, in a sectional title scheme uh, will automatically become a member of the uh, of the body corporate. Um, and... Uh, the body corporate itself would then form a set of trustees um, which are elected at annual general meetings, and those trustees would then drive uh, the body corporate in terms of managing the complex, uh, in terms of making decisions as to maintenance, ensuring the common property, uh, repairs, dealing with, uh, with rules that govern the uh, speed limits within the complex, that type of thing. And all of those decisions are made by the trustees, which obviously take instructions from the members uh, who have an opportunity to vote on certain um, topics or the agenda at, uh, at the special and general meetings that are held uh, on an ongoing basis. Generally on an annual basis, there will be an annual general meeting, and at that meeting there will be a specific agenda dealing with finances, dealing with rules, repairs, and other incidental matters. Um, and uh, those sort of topics would be voted on um, at these meetings uh, by the members uh, who elect the trustees.
0: Now, sometimes you find that there are disputes amongst neighbours within uh, an estate. How are those disputes uh, amongst neighbours dealt with uh, from a body corporate uh, point of view?
1: Well, first of all, the rules of the body corporate are first and foremost um, as a reference to, to dealing with rules. It goes without saying that in, in a complex, there's, there's going to be issues with neighbours, for instance, barking dogs, people parking in the wrong parking bays, or people parking in non-designated areas, uh, even noise, loud noise and, and, uh, and over-occupying units. So these are issues that do pop up uh, in sectional titles. It can be dealt with generally um, at these meetings by bringing it to the attention of the trustees. But luckily we have um, some new legislation in the form of CSOs, uh, which is uh, which is um, uh, provided for by the Community Scheme Arm's Services Act. Now, uh, in the last sort of seven to ten years, um, there's been uh, this new amendment where all community schemes, meaning homeowners associations or body corporates, uh, will be required. Um, to pay a levy towards the community schemes ombuds uh, services uh, division, and uh, in terms of that, the uh, CSOS creates uh, an entity that deals with disputes. So, typically, if you if you stay in a uh, in a sectional title complex or in a homeowners association, and you're not able to to solve the dispute within the complex, uh, disputes can be referred to the community ombuds. Um, who then has a method in terms of adjudicating on, on disputes between neighbours? If that doesn't work, um, then of course, you know, individuals do have the, uh, the ability to approach the High Court or approach a competent court uh, to seek relief. But generally, um CISOS has provided it, has provided for the community schemes but to be able to solve these types of disputes cost effectively um, and efficiently.
0: But now what happens if uh, one does not agree with uh, a decision that the body corporate has uh, come up with if there's a dispute?
1: Well, the sectional title Schemes Management Act does provide for certain instances where um, somebody can even sue on behalf of of the body corporate. So in actual fact, somebody can take legal action on behalf of the body corporate, but there uh, there is some legislation dealing with how it should be done uh, they would have to give notice to the body corporate, calling upon them to take decisive action. And if they fail to do that, then the indiv- individual would have to approach the High Court uh, for relief on application and seek a ruling. And the court would have to go through a series of, of checks and balances to make sure that it's not a frivolous claim and that it is actually it. And then, of course, there'd have to be some sort of decision as to costs. But generally, um, you know, the court is there uh, as as a as a uh, as a port of call um you know to to solve decisions the only problem is it costs time and money um so that's that is something that comes with it on the, on the other side of the coin
0: sure and um in terms of then uh, i mean if we're living in a body corporate in order for things to run the common area securities um cleaning up and so on there are certain levies that are are built to all the households. How are these levy areas um, dealt with, and who should be dealing with them? Is it the body corporate, or do we need to now bring in a a legal representative?
1: Patricia, so body corporates uh, would usually appoint a managing agent. Um, I'd say most body corporates appoint a managing agent. That's a company that specializes in body corporate matters, uh, um, like collecting levies, for instance, and and dealing with day-to-day matters. In smaller complexes, it's likely that, that the trustees would just appoint somebody with them you know amongst themselves to deal with the day-to-day admin. but generally um, a managing agent would be appointed to deal with that. Now when it comes to collecting levies um, on the formation of a body corporate, the developer, after he's transferred the very first unit has to form a body corporate and start collecting money um, on a monthly basis to cover the monthly and annual expenses. And, and that's, uh, that levy would be calculated with reference to the annual expenses of the last financial year for the entire complex. So what were the rates account, uh, what was the cost of security, uh, what was the cost of insurance over the common property, that type of thing. And once they've worked that out, the levies will be determined um, from, uh, from section to section or unit to unit, um, de- depending on the participation quota which is calculated depending on the size of your unit. So, for instance, a 100-square-metre unit would pay a bigger levy than a 75-square-metre unit. Now, the body corporate has to collect a reserve fund um, on an annual basis to be able to cover all of the expenses within the body corporate, and that reserve fund is, is, uh, is developed by collecting levies from each of the owners on a monthly basis. Now, sometimes those levies go into arrears and of course, then the body corporate would have to take legal action against the owners that haven't kept up to date with their levies, um, and, and to some degree, uh, can even attach the unit and sell it on on public auction.
0: Let me go to the lines. I've got Atima Laaki on the line. Good evening, Atima.
2: Good evening. How are you? Strong and how are you? I'm okay. I just want to ask the to the gentleman. I have a situation here. Um I'm staying on the the, the the unit on the first floor and then the, now the keys are pressed but the keys belongs to the unit uh, just under me. You know, they put both keys there on top on my on my ceiling, both keys are there. So the keys are such a It's uh, <clears throat> it's a unit underground. So now the damages are in my in my unit the water spillage on the ceiling and, you no know, and other stuff that are damaged. So I had to clean. When I came, they said, no, I must pay the access because I'm claiming But I'm saying, I didn't put this geyser here. And the plumber came and wrote that this that belongs to the unit underneath, and they had to close the water. They mine the water was fine and so on. Now, as currently as to speak, I'm in dispute with the, not the former... They said, I must pay the, the access because I'm claiming. I, mean, I refuse. So I just want to ask the gentleman, what really can I do? Because I I I, I didn't put the keys there. The gist was put by the, the how they built. Now, if there's a spillage there or there's a damage, even a dot of water maybe is leaking on my ceiling, I must struggle with that. You can't be correct.
0: All right, Lucky, stay on the line. Time, yeah. Okay, stay on the okay. line, Neil. Um, what can Lucky do? Is, is is the process that has been followed fair and correct? Doesn't sound fair to me because it wasn't his geyser that burst, but his yeah. his place has been affected.
1: Yeah, Patricia, the the owner, the, the giza that belongs to the owner, that, that owner is responsible for for firstly uh, stopping the water the water from leaking, uh, and then of course any damages uh, that would flow from that. Whether or not they were insured, that's a different story. But um, the owner who owns that, that visa is responsible. Now, that can be dealt with either by referring it to the body corporate to try and get involved, and if he can't come out, he can refer that to CSOS as well, uh, to the community it, uh to try and deal with it as, as a dispute.
0: All right. Like he, uh, does that assist you?
2: No, no, no. The 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 fight that I have is between me and the and the boy corporate because I'm saying the, the the insurance is one insurance for the whole complex, right? The, the damages are not into my movable assets. It's actually ceiling and carpet and so on. So the we're claiming to the same insurance via body corporate. So the issue they they want me because I'm the one who's claiming for the damages in my the damages are in my unit, not. Not on the unit, on the ground. Uh, they say, because I'm claiming, the rule says the person claiming must pay access. Uh, this is the dispute between me and the body yeah. corporate. So you're saying I, I must take it to the.
1: Yeah, sorry, I was, I was struggling to hear you earlier on. So it sounds like the body corporate has come to your aid by, um, by, by filing an insurance claim. But with any insurance claim, there comes an excess. Now, in terms of Lucky's levy, a portion of his levy, contributes to uh, to the insurance that is taken out by the body corporate uh, over the building uh, in terms of in terms of the common property and to some extent some of the buildings that uh, that form part of the uh, of the owner's unit. Now, with any insurance claim, there comes an uninsured portion, uh, which is an excess which would be payable, and naturally that could be passed on to the owner uh, by the body corporate. If there's a dispute on that we can of course refer that to, to the ombud as well, um, to get involved in and and, uh, and make a ruling between him and the body corporate.
0: All right. Um, there's another question here from Tamba Mdabe, who's in Marion Hill in Durban, who says, can the trustee sue the body corporate for uh, taking a certain decision or the trustee does not have a local standee against uh, the body corporate or any decision it undertook?
1: Well, Patricia, the, the body corporate is represented by the trustees at the end of the day. Um, so it's, it's unlikely the trustees would sue themselves um, or sue the body corporate. But uh, but yes, of course, if if uh, any individual owners uh, within a complex disagree with a decision that has been taken by the body corporate, and it does happen from time to time, the uh, then the individual owner can then he can sue the body corporate, and the body corporate can sue and be sued in its own name. So it is a juristic person um, and ca- and can be sued. So absolutely, um, if you disagree with something that's been done by the, by the body corporate, it can be taken to task.
0: You know, at times you find that the body corporate will then go back to those within the establishment and say, well, we are waiting for the managing agent. We are waiting uh, the delays from the managing agent. W- what is their role, managing agent? Who appoints them? And why is it that the blame is usually forked onto the managing agent when the body corporate is asked questions?
1: Patricia, there is a misconception uh, as to where the managing agent fits in. And uh, one must just remember the managing agent at the end of the day takes instructions from the trustees uh, who act on behalf of the body corporate. So the managing agent is not there um, to solve problems. They're not there, they're certainly there to assist in managing the complex, in collecting levies, uh, attending to contractors that might be hired to do certain repairs. But The managing agent charges a fee um, that is payable by the body corporate for their services, in terms of in terms of providing assistance with collecting levies and man- managing the uh, the day-to-day affairs. But at the end of the day, uh, the managing agent would have to take instructions from the body corporate. So, so the, the body corporate has to make their own decisions by by calling uh, meetings of the trustees and the trustees themselves. Would act within the best interests um, of uh, of the members of the of the body corporate.
0: Can Can you please explain to us the role of CSOS? And uh, there's a charge that everyone sees, everyone who's within a body corporate um, or in a state sees on their built, you know, levy account. CSOS. What is that for, and um, how does it benefit uh, those homeowners?
1: So, as I mentioned earlier on, CSOS is. Is a, basically a community schemes armbit service, which uh, which is governed by the Community Schemes Armbit Services Act. Um, in terms of that leg- that piece of legislation, it provides that every community scheme, um, like body corporates or homeowners associations, must uh, register with CSOP, uh and pay a fee. So the fee is anything between 40 and 100 rand. There's a method of calculating it, depending on the size of the levy. And uh, you know if, if you're living in an estate, you will notice that you will pay your levy. There may be some incidental charges um, in addition to your levy, and then there will always be a CSOS charge. Now, that CSOS charge obviously funds, um, it funds CSOS uh, so that they can have that organization which is available to deal with disputes um, uh, and, and regulated fees within body corporates. So if there are disputes, it can be referred to CSOS uh, 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 to handle uh, pretty much like a tribunal.
0: And then if the disputes are financially related and the body corporate does not have money in their coffers, will CSOS be able to make sure that that dispute is still handled um, even if there's no money in the coffers or the body corporate claims there's no money?
1: Okay, so if, if CSOS makes a monetary ruling so, for instance, if there's a, a a ruling for damages or some sort of retribution, the ruling of CSOS does carry the weight of a court judgment, um, and there are provisions in the Act which say that uh, if you have a monetary ruling that's within the, the jurisdiction of the magistrate's court, the clerk of the court can be authorised to issue uh, a warrant uh, based on that ruling, and the same goes uh, for a for a ruling that is uh, to the same. Uh, jurisdiction as a, as a high court. Um, it can be taken on appeal, uh, but only to the high court and only for uh, for legal matters, so only for questions of law um, can those uh, can those decisions be taken on appeal.
0: Let me go to another A-team who is uh, sending a message via WhatsApp on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. they They're anonymous and say, great topic, please help. What practical steps can an unemployed and incomeless owner living in a sectional title unit who has stopped paying levies take to ensure that he continues to live peacefully in his unit and will pay the levies as soon as he is in a position to do so? What advice can your expert give me to avoid any trouble?
1: Sure, Patricia, that's a tough one, unfortunately, and I think a lot of people have found themselves in that situation. Uh, particularly through the tough economic uh, climate that we've come through, unfortunately, um, you know, living in an estate uh, or in a in a body corporate, uh, levies are there for the for the well-being of the entire complex. So you can imagine if uh, if certain individuals are not paying their levies, then they're not adequately contributing uh, to the maintenance and upkeep of the complex, and uh, unfortunately, the body corporate would be compelled um to take legal action against uh, against owners that are defaulting. Only thing that I can suggest is that if uh, if individuals are in arrears uh, with their levies to approach the body corporate um via the managing agents who would be collecting the levy and ask for some sort of a payment plan. The the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, is that on transfer of a sectional type of unit. So, uh, if the, the listener that sent you a WhatsApp, if you were to sell his unit uh, down the line, um, the body corporate would have to issue a clearing certificate um, in order to pass transfer. And generally, before a clearance certificate uh, is issued, all of the levies have to be paid in full and up to date. In fact, it has to be paid in advance um, uh, to settle an account. Now, a lot of owners or a lot of if I can use the word sellers uh, when it comes to sectional title, um, when they get called on to pay these clearance figures at the time that uh, that they have to pay, they're not in a position or they don't have the cash readily available uh, to settle that. But that money can come out of the proceeds of the sale under certain circumstances where a short term bridging finance solution is, uh, has been put in place um, to enable the clearance certificates to be issued. And then on sale of the unit, um, the, uh, uh, the proceeds would cover uh, the amount that was taken as bridging finance to settle the levies. So generally speaking, in a body corporate or in a sectional title complex, um, there's, there's always the, although there's a risk of uh, levies being, uh, going into arrears, theoretically those levies will always be paid at some point in time uh, when the property is transferred because of the requirement for clearance figures to be paid. On transfer. But if the the listener has no intention of ever selling his unit, um, unfortunately he won't be able to live there without paying a levy and at some point in time would have to start paying it. So I, I suspect that the body corporate might agree uh, to some sort of payment plan or some sort of reduced levy but that will come with interest charges and penalties which ultimately would have to be paid back at another stage. And I, I don't think it would be fair um, you know, to, to expect that, you know, uh, to, to continue living in a complex without contributing to the levy, especially when the other owners are paying their levies or somebody else might be 100% up to date when uh, certain certain members are, are not contributing.
0: Most definitely, um, I think we will close off with this question from an anonymous who says, "What is the point of forcing body corporates to keep a certain amount in their bank account if they are not allowed to use it when needed because it has to be maintained at a certain amount?"
1: So, generally speaking, um, there is a, a rule. Uh, I'd say about twenty-five percent. of of the financial uh, commitments need to be kept in a reserve fund. And it goes without saying. It's like saving for a rainy day. Um, Lots of things can go wrong in a body corporate. You must remember, in as much as a body corporate is collecting levies, somebody has to pay those legal fees as well. Um, So there's got to be money available for that. There's got to be money available for the insurance. Uh, There may be uh, security upgrades um, that are needed. And um, lots of things that can go wrong within a complex that so maybe uh, the complex might need to be painted um, on an annual basis or it'd be five years or so. So there's got to be money available, you know, in, in the reserve fund to cover those unforeseen circumstances. And um, the last thing that you'd want is for a body corporate to go into an insolvent state where they actually don't have enough money to pay for the um for the day-to-day uh, the day-to-day maintenance and upkeep now that poses a problem especially for owners that, that own in a complex uh, where the financial situation is very bad because um, when you want to sell your unit the banks that are going to come in and bond the next uh, the next purchaser will call for the financials and make sure that the, that the unit that they are funding or the unit that they are financing um, is in a good position in the event that they need to foreclose on their property. So in a in complex where the financial situation is, financial situation is very bad, um, it, it creates a situation where nobody wants to invest in the complex and, and that poses a problem for owners that want to sell because nobody will be able to sell their unit.
0: Thank you so very much for joining us, Neil. How do we get in touch with you, especially for our A-teamers who have a, v- a lot of questions and queries around body sea source, and managing agents?
1: Thanks, Patricia. So they can contact me on 011-874-1800. That's the telephone number for our head office. And they'll put them through to me directly. Or they can send me an email at M. it's N-E-I-L-M, at Pol. And I can also go and check out our website. It's Za.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Neil. eight uh, minutes, is it's 11 o'clock. Let's go to the news with Greg Khost. Good evening, Greg.